Welcome everyone back to SEL Convergence. I am Mike, and once again, I am here for a little fireside chat with my friend Tom. Hey, Mike. How you doing today? I'm great. Thrilled to be here. And as always, it wouldn't be as much fun unless we brought uh, brought a guest in to liven up the conversation a little bit. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Tom right away so that we can uh, meet our new guest. I'm so happy to have my friend Dr. Mike Quintons here. Uh, Mike is a physical therapist. He's my physical therapist. And in, in the world of physical therapy rooms, he's known as Mike Q. Welcome, Mike. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This is uh, fantastic. Thank you for the kind words. And uh, I'm stoked to be here. This is, Super. this is great. Super. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the work you're doing right now? Yeah, so um, I grew up in Delaware County. Uh, went to Pancrest High School, fantastic school. Uh, from there, I, I played football and wrestled there. Went to Bloomsburg University, played football there. And then, and then went to Widener, came back home and started working in outpatient physical therapy, had a couple different experiences. And now I'm, I'm working in outpatient, have my own facility uh, in Newtown Square, Delaware County, PA. And uh, it's fantastic. We have a lot of uh, a lot more space than what I'm used to. We're integrating both uh, sports performance and physical therapy um, under the same roof, which is uh, it's new. It's different, especially in our area. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. So when I'm in your facility and I had the privilege of having you work on me, I noticed there are people my age, I'm 68, there's people my age and probably a little older, and then I see these wonderful young men and women come in somewhere in the late afternoon, and I see uh, them working intensively. Tell me a little bit about that part of your dream. Yeah, so, so that's a great question. I, this can go a lot of different ways, but what I noticed in, in your run-of-the-mill outpatient physical therapy is that these athletes would come in with injuries and they would go from being injured to being functional. And then insurance would tell us that we can't see them anymore, at least you know, through insurance. And the self-pay rate is, is, is very expensive. It, it can be a little bit of a challenge for some families. So the gap there was between being functional and, and performing. Mm -hmm. And in that gap, there's high risk for injury, uh, re-injury, whether mm -hmm. it's something else or the same injury. So what we're doing now is we're able to bridge the gap between physical therapy and the sports performance. And so these young young people that you're seeing come in are coming in for training. Uh, they're working on different skills uh, and, and more than anything else, injury prevention and, and mm -hmm. performance. Mm -hmm. So when we say the word performance, you're helping these young people, uh, high school age, college age, I, I've seen them. Uh, you're helping them perform athletically. You're helping them be at their best athletically. Uh, and I know from our conversations, you also have a passion for helping them be at their best selves. They're the whole person. Can you comment on that a little bit? Yeah. So we, we have each, each athlete that comes in, fills out a questionnaire. Uh, I mean, this is very important to me that, that this was executed appropriately and, and correctly. So they fill out a questionnaire and we sit down with them and we ask them, we actually go through their goals that they write down. And then we'll follow up with that every mm -hmm. two to four weeks. Mm -hmm. And then and then thereafter, we continue to follow up. So to me, it's it's about it's about the entire person. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't just perform well without having everything else. Right. And that goes from school to at home. And, and, and so and, you know, forward. So um, that, that's an exciting part of it. That, and that's also different. And that's going to continue to develop, uh, in my opinion. 
So let's let's all three of us talk about goal setting because whether we're in the physical therapy room, whether we're working with with more elite athletes in in terms of improving their performance, or whether we're talking about children, kindergarten through 12th grade, or whether we're talking about uh, men and women, everybody, I hope, wants to be their best selves. And we set goals to do that. My experience and my knowledge of the research around goal setting for almost my entire life was you need 30 days of repeated behavior or uh, best practice to achieve a goal that's going to last for a long time. Within the past year or two, I'm now looking at research that says 90 days. So I'm curious about that from both of your perspectives. Mike, from a special education behavioral perspective, Mike Q, from a performance athletic perspective. Mike Q, why don't you start? Yeah, that, that's interesting, that 30 to 90 day difference. I, I, I think we have to develop habits. I mean, it all, all comes down to habits. And that goes from academics to, to you know, sports and training, et cetera. So if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna eat right, you know, it, it takes 30 to 90 days. I, I buy that. I would say probably closer to 90 days in terms of just dietary habits. Mm-hmm. And then the same goes for training. You can go, you know, you go to a gym January 1st, January 2nd, January 3rd. That gym's, that gym's pretty busy. Mm-hmm. You, go there, you go there January 30th, maybe it's still busy. But who's there April 1st? Yeah. yeah that's, that's the question. So I, I would agree with those habits. It may take 90 days. I think that's fair. I don't know the research nearly as well as you do. But I think in terms of sports performance, training, whatever you want to call it, um, any athletically, I think it takes time to, to really develop the habits to be able to complete those mm-hmm. goals and stay focus on those goals and then reiterating those goals too. That's why we like to go back every couple of weeks. So I want to come back in a minute, my cue, to this whole idea of reiterating those goals. Uh, best practice, Mike Mandel, from a special education perspective, often dealing with behavioral concerns. Yes, am I correct? Very correct. (laughs) On a daily basis. Uh, What are your thoughts about helping these young people you work with set goals? How is it similar or different from the work that Mike Q may be doing? Um, It can be, it's, I would say it's very similar in general. The, one of the differences that I see is that the level of immersion that you have with the kids in the school is, is so high. So I see my students like, four, five, six hours a day, mm. like Monday through Friday. That's mm-hmm. a, that's an immense amount of time to spend with someone. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to it, you need to begin that goal setting process with having a good perspective on what the goal is. Because if you set a goal, I think a lot of people see it like a race and this is where mm. I'm starting. This is where I'm finishing. And like, I have to plow through like until I get to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And it's really not the case because when you set a finish line like that, you're really just setting yourself up for failure Mm. because that's all you can see. You get this tunnel vision with Mm -hmm. it. So when I try to do that with my kids, I set it up in um, a scenario where we set our first target. Like this is like what we're shooting for Mm. and we might not get there, but we're going to learn a lot along the way. And we might find out halfway through that our course is different and we actually have a different target that we want to hit. So, not reaching that goal can be very demoralizing for anybody, I think. 
So having the mindset that you can adjust that goal as you go, because you're continually learning through this process can make a lot of the difference because it helps kids stay motivated. Um, not just kids, but anybody, mm-hmm. it, it lets them kind of take ownership of it and realize that every step they take along the way is guiding that process. And it's all just great information that they can use to, to steer where they're going. So Mike Q, as you listen to Mike Mandel speak about the special ed work, the behavioral change work, you're also involved in the world of behavioral change. Sure. How does that, how does what Mike Mandel say resonate with you? That's, it's interesting. Very interesting. Cause you're talking about the, the high intensity times that you have with these, you know, with these students and that's a lot of hours a day. So you're constantly fine tuning the wheel. Mm-hmm. Right. Where I get hopefully two, maybe three hours mm-hmm. with that, with that athlete or with that patient could be anybody really. And those are bigger adjustments. Right. And I got to figure out what's going on at home, mm-hmm. right? what's going on in school. If, mm-hmm. if that's an issue, what's going on at work. If, if, you know, if they're an adult. So, so my adjustments have to be fine tuned, well not fine tuned, but greater movements. And I need to be prepared for those too. Mm. So I, I'm not saying one's harder than the other. Your goals are always changing. My goal, typically, our goal is usually I want to get back to the gym. Mm-hmm. I want to get back to the field and compete. Mm-hmm. So our goal is typically the same. And with respect to behavior, mm-hmm. we I have to offer tools for them to you know to be able to to modify. Mm-hmm. So so if I'm not if I'm too pushy, then maybe they don't respond. And if I'm not pushy enough, then again, maybe they don't respond. Interesting. So both of you are in the role of the intervener. You're intervening. Mike Q, you may start your intervention because of an injury. You may start your intervention because someone is motivated to greater performance. Mike Mandel, you're intervening with a different learner mm-hmm. and, and more often than not behavioral concerns. So can you both focus in a minute this idea of intervention mike q you mentioned that you have to modify yourself what 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 are the signals that a a young person or an older person athlete who's either coming to you for injury or or improvement what are the signals you're looking for to say hey i need i need to change it up body language I mean, that's what I, and again, I'm trained to read the body Yeah, yeah. in some ways and analyze gait and, and movements, et cetera. So that body language is huge for me. So especially with kids, if, you know, if they're coming in and they're not happy or they're yawning and I got to modify my, my level, right? If I'm up from a previous patient, I got to bring things down a little bit when I talk to that individual or they may shut down. So as soon as that client, young or old comes in, you're watching. Always. You're taking in the facial expressions, you're taking in the body movements, and you're you're assessing and reassessing your plan. You have to. Yeah, you have to. Even while if they're doing exercises or maybe they're on a hot pack afterwards, whatever it may be, um, my eyes are on them. I have to always glance around and then be cognizant of who I'm currently with. Right. And if I'm taking away from their experience by looking around as well. So it's, it's a constant reading game. I love it. And, and Mike Mandel, similar? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. So one of the one of the things that I keep reminding myself of is that regardless of how a student's performing, acting, behaving, like that's 
that's within their sphere of control Mm -hmm. and it's not really inside mine. Like I can't control Mm. what they're doing or saying or feeling. I can really only adjust myself. Mm. So those cues, like you said, are so essential as information for us, but it's very easy to say, well, they need to do this. Like this is what's best for them. Right. But instead meeting them where they're at, whatever, you know, if you want to look at it like a ladder, you got to figure out what rung they're on and you got to go meet them down there. You can't sit at the top and shout down and tell them like to come up and like hang out where you're at. So as the interventionist or whoever like you are, it's your responsibility to, to meet that person where they're at and create that, that relationship and work through it together. It's like, um, what brand Brown says about when she explains that sympathy is looking at someone who fell down in a well and saying like, Oh wow, that sucks. And then empathy being more along the lines of climbing down into the well and saying, all right, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. So nobody really wants to be pitied, I feel. Mm. And if you're Mm. not willing to like read someone, get where they're at, that's what it's going to feel like. It's going to feel like you're pitying them Mm -hmm. and you feel like you're above them. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to create a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. So you got to climb down in that well and you got to walk that walk together. Mm -hmm. I love what you're both saying. And it's fascinating to me that all some people would, would perceive completely different professions. We're really talking about the same thing. And what I'm hearing is planned change. And we modify ourselves with integrity to meet the needs of our client or our student. And what I'm also hearing from both of you, this ties back into really the heart and soul of this podcast work is social emotional learning. So Mike Q, when you're, when you're working with a client and their ultimate goal is to go back to achievement in their sport or and or achievement with their team uh tell me about the social emotional work that may be happening yeah there's so there's so much going on there's so many layers to that because a lot of these a lot of these kids we see a lot of high school athletes and and college athletes even middle school and they have different groups of friends. Uh, mm-hmm. These kids now today, for the most part, are playing for their high school team and they're playing for a travel team and maybe there's another team involved and maybe there's other sports involved all within the same week. Mm. So so they're being integrated in many different environments, not to mention what's going on at home, mm-hmm. what's going on academically, the pressures of high school and, or getting into the right high school mm-hmm. or the right college. So I, I think in terms of social and emotional awareness, and we, we have to be there for support. And I mm-hmm. think the same would go for you, Mike. I mean, it's it's about are we able to provide the right support and ask the right questions mm-hmm. um, to, to, to give them and give them the right answers mm-hmm. to some of their questions and, and make sure that they're in a place of, of, of almost comfort, of uh, trust, I guess, yeah, is the yes, word I would use. Yes, absolutely. Trust is the word. Uh, I think they both of you need to be trustworthy and perceived as trust, trustworthy by the client or the student you're working with, or it's really hard for both of you to be successful as interveners. In this social-emotional world, Mike Q, you mentioned a few things that um, I will say concern me. So here you have this young person, student or young adult. They may be involved in multiple different activities, teams, and you, you mentioned the word stress. What, what are you seeing? How, how does the psychological, social, and emotional stress 
impact, let's start with this, the body and the performance of a human being. Yeah, this, is, this is deep stuff. And this is mm -hmm. what I'm probably gaining more and more insight about, you know, as your career develops you start to focus on more different things mm -hmm. more sure and this is something i'm focusing on more and it's how the body responds especially young people young people heal so quickly it blows mm. my mind but not the ones that have a lot of stress on them mm -hmm. and it's and it is fascinating to see that an ankle sprain or a, a simple tendon injury that you know someone same age same, same demographics everything else would heal much quicker than than somebody else and it is the it, the pressures are on them and you and I have discussed this in the past yes. time. I mean, this is interesting. It's it's fascinating. And and what happens physically is there could be you're going to see poor eating habits, poor sleeping habits, and and then most of all that that's going to correlate to performance. Mm. And then more pressure because you're not performing. Yeah. And yeah. and all the pressures that come on with colleges and high schools and parents and travel teams and all that. So I, I I think physically those are the most obvious things, and we have to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. Aware of that as medical professionals mm -hmm. to ask those questions. We, you know, that's not your ankle injury. Isn't my only focus. So this negative stress cycle, uh, how can you help a young person, uh, who's in physical therapy or who's in, uh, your, your work setting to enhance their performance? How can you help them help them move through that? I think we have to offer, we got to get to the bottom of it. We have to figure out what what their true motivations are. We have to we have mm. to ask them questions that their parents aren't there to help them answer. Mm -hmm. I don't care if they're eight years old or if they're twenty eight years old. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So I think we we have to ask the right questions. We have mm -hmm. to get down to the bottom of it. And in doing that, we're making ourselves vulnerable. And yes, I'm, you know that's a that's a, a hot word right now. And I think asking those questions and relating and adapting mm -hmm. ourselves to ask those questions and feel that they can trust us. Maybe it's not happening in the first session, but you're asking eventually. You're asking questions that are going to help get those emotions out until you get down to the bottom of it because it's all—it's more than physical. So you just used, as you said, some hot words, uh, really, really important words in the research. You talked about vulnerability. You talked about making yourself as the intervener, in your case, as the therapist, vulnerable, honest, transparent, use the word connection and relationship. So the words you're using right now, and I've had the privilege of working with you and many of your colleagues, those are words that go beyond education. Those are words that are part of every successful business and industry, my belief, and also supporting their research. Those are also words that are critical to every human relationship. So here you may have somebody on the therapy table or in a, in a, uh, in a skill building session with weights or, 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 or what have you. How do you begin that relationship? How do you begin to make yourself accessible through your vulnerability? That, I mean, to me, that's good. That's a good question. You have to be genuine. I think in the end, you know, you use this word a lot. I love when you use this word, integrity. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can, if you can use integrity and be genuine, I, I think people see that and appreciate it. Maybe they don't realize they appreciate it. Yeah. But when, when, you know, when someone is 
is genuine. I don't think there's much more to to appreciate in certain certain situations. Yeah. I think a simple introduction, eye contact, you know, that you have mm-hmm. some of those other characteristics mm-hmm. that are important, uh, you know, a firm handshake, those mm-hmm. things. But I think if you can, you know, be real or genuine from the jump and that goes from the parent to the, to the athlete, to the average patient that walks in, that's how you begin that relationship, in my opinion. So both of us, actually all three of us resonate very strongly to the word integrity. And we talked, you've talked about vulnerability making yourself vulnerable. So that is one of our key starting points in developing a trusting relationship. Both of you commented earlier how important that trust is in making yourself trustworthy in the eye of the receiver, student, client. Let's be really clear. And I know we've talked about this before on earlier podcasts. The research is now overwhelming vulnerability is not the old definition that I grew up with 55 years ago or more. Vulnerability, to quote Brene Brown, is the birthplace of human greatness. The birthplace of human greatness. So in your facility, when you make yourself vulnerable, you're beginning to show your clients. They are probably not aware of this initially, but you're beginning to show your clients their greatest potential. I know you're aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's huge. I mean, for someone to come into an environment uh, with a p- pain, th- they're broken. Yeah, that's what they think when they walk in. Yeah, and they see other kids or athletes whatever the average joe also in pain mm-hmm. they may feel like okay i'm, I'm part of something here mm-hmm. but once you show that vulnerability you also show that you're not perfect yeah um and and you've seen me in the clinic i like to joke around with the other mm-hmm. pts it's mm-hmm. it's a fun environment yeah. yeah and sometimes it's teasing breaking stones whatever you want to call and i you know i take it just as just as much as anybody else and that also for me, and maybe that's how I grew up, that's also vulnerability. Yeah. You know, to, to be able to, to tease yourself about how you ripped your pants sure. one time it, in a session. It's only with those that we trust the most that we can tease and be silly. Actually, I, I wouldn't do that with somebody I don't trust. Yeah, so, you're exactly right. So there's a degree of, of uh, family or something that we talk about, Mike Mandel, friend-like atmosphere, friend-like relationship. Mm-hmm. We may not be friends outside the classroom. We may not be friends outside the clinic. However, when we're here together, we have that feeling. We have that feeling, as I do with you. And as I do with your uh, other colleagues that I don't interact with that much. Yeah. You know, But whether we joke about music or whatever have be, we're developing a relationship. And that's so, so key. So as we think about relationship, as we think about connection, vulnerability, what's one of your dreams now that you're running your own facility? Dream for us a little bit. Let's let the world who's listening to this podcast know what you think is possible for these young athletes. We could go a lot of different directions with this. I, I think... 
I, I think, and probably this is how a lot of your, you know, dreams started. I, there's something broken out there and, and you want to provide solutions to fix it. Mm. And so I think athletically in sports right now, I think there's a lot of overuse injuries. I think schools are putting in parents are putting a lot of pressures on these kids to, to, uh, play on multiple teams and, and maybe participate in sports or activities mm -hmm. they don't want to participate in. Um, I think that's a big piece of it. And eighth graders committing to Ivy League schools and there, there's so much going on that, that needs to change. I mm -hmm. would say my dream would be to offer multiple services under one roof mm -hmm. to get a sports psychologist in the building would be awesome. To get mm -hmm. a sports medicine doctor in the office would be amazing. A dietitian. That way you have a one-stop shop where everybody's communicating, mm -hmm. right? To have software where everyone communicates and a network, you know, like some of the medical networks around here is, it's helpful, Yeah, but it's not the same as me walking down the hall and telling, you know, Dr. Smith, hey, this right. is what I'm seeing. Right. Can you take a look at him when mm -hmm. you get a minute? They'll be mm -hmm. right down. I And vice versa. So that's how you develop trust, right? I mean, we'll go back yeah. to the relationship thing a little bit, but that's my dream. Mm -hmm. It's developed these, these centers where these athletes or anybody really can one-stop shop and get all their services under one, under one roof. Um, and then to help out the schools. You know, I, I think some of these athletic trainers are, are overwhelmed, mm -hmm. um, you know, from, from tape taping to being present at practice, to filling up water jugs, to being at every game. Mm -hmm. And there's one or two people overseeing eight sports at a time, wow. eight different teams. And that's just one season. So it's a lot. I really liked hearing the emphasis on many of our children being overwhelmed with multiple activities and or uh, working on an on a, a interscholastic team while they're working on a travel team. Uh, let me go to Mike Mandel. Now, your expertise is K-5, to correct? Yep. Okay. Are you seeing any of this already at the elementary level? Kids oh, wow. burned out, overwhelmed? Yeah. Go ahead. Go um, ahead. <laughs> absolutely. So it's it, it was a tough transition for me because when you take me, um, you know, being in my 30s where, you know, I like to think that I wasn't in school that long ago, but like I'm starting <laughs> to get to that point where I can't say it anymore. Um, I'm there. I'm with you. I, I look at the kids and I'm like, all right, what's going on? Because like I never felt this way. So like my schema is so limited because I don't understand what kids these days are going through. Mm. And my personal opinion on it is like, all right, what's different? Well, social media. I think that's a huge thing. Mm. And like, I'm going to put that out there, but I'm not going to discuss it because that could take us forever. Right. But kids are dealing with things that we didn't deal with when mm -hmm. we were in school. Mm -hmm. And the parents that are raising these children are different than the parents mm. who raised us or even you, Tom. And oh, yeah. I don't know what that's like necessarily because I wasn't parented by that generation. Mm -hmm. So they're coming in with a lot of life experiences and expectations and challenges that I don't understand on their level, but I'm there to help them through it. Mm -hmm. So the big step for me was taking a look at my kids and saying, regardless of what I think, this is real for you. And your perception is your reality. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're going to start. Mm -hmm. And 
a lot of school districts, whether I've worked with them or been able to observe them, are doing fantastic job yes. of training educators to identify these needs and provide proactive steps or like some kind of mild intervention so that we can start working with these kids who, who show signs of mm -hmm. stress and just burnout, depression, whatever the, whatever the situation is for these kids that's honestly just debilitating. Mm -hmm. But just like you were saying, Mike, for your dream of having more like a more diverse and specialized kind of like crew to be able to team up on these things, teachers, educators, staff and buildings, they're struggling being everything for everyone. Mm. And as nice as that would be to have somebody in front of the kids all day who can handle any situation, it's just not feasible in the long run. It's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. But when you train a teacher to do something new, it doesn't cost a whole nother staff member. Yeah. So schools are businesses when it comes down to it and they have to work within a budget so they can be successful and they can operate as well as they can be. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's our best solution right now is mm -hmm. to train teachers and school districts are aware of it and they're responding to it. it's fantastic. But I'd love to see us get to a place where school districts can diversify their resources mm. and we can have more of a team approach than we already do to help kids work through these things that we either either didn't exist in past generations or we just weren't good enough at what we do to identify mm. it. So as I listen to you speak, Mike, um, and then I go back to Mike Q, wellness. And in my mind, you're talking about a wellness center. That's a dream. My dream, connect your wellness center to this school so that every school district has a wellness center. And they don't have to be everything to everybody. And we look at the whole child academically, and we look at the whole child physically, socially, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And I, I know that that word can be weird for some folks, but... We're, you know, we'll just leave that hang out there for a minute. <laughs> um, any dreams on either of your parts connecting your two worlds? I haven't really thought of it to that extent, to be honest. Okay. I think, um, yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I think that's a great idea. I think that's fantastic to ask. I would never ask a PT to also be a dietitian or a PT to also do injections that they're not qualified to do. Right. So when you're, when you're telling me about asking teachers to do things that they're not used to doing and then having them be good at it, right? You got to be yeah. really good at it. Yeah. Especially if you're dealing with older kids and younger kids yeah. too, but like that's, yeah. that's, that's challenging. I can't imagine what that's like, but to have more resources, I think is, is the word I want to use. Mm-hmm for these these kids especially as these stresses the social media everything's in more stress now um I, that would be that would be great sign me up so this dream is happening in some places in this country some of our um, high schools in delaware have wellness centers connected to them uh if you know the the area of chicago that's known as the collar counties these are the very wealthy suburbs that surround chicago uh, Lyle School District would be one. Nap Nap Naperville would be another. Uh, they have full wellness curriculum and clinics. Uh, so this dream, I'll call it my dream, 
is, is not so far fetched. Uh, these are possibilities. These are possibilities. So, you know, I, I, I ask my two young friends here to keep thinking about that. I see what you're doing. I like it. I, 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 <laughs> Good. Think, I think it's possible. Good. I don't see why not. And, and even, you know, an area like Philadelphia, why not? So as soon as you say an area of Philadelphia, I get real. Uh, I pause. I, I breathe deeper. So where the greatest need exists in wellness, in social emotional learning, where the greatest need exists, we're still not, we're still not able to see and meet that need with integrity. So, you know, I, I, when you say Philadelphia at, at this moment, I, I get, I get, uh, concerned. Sure. I, I get concerned. I think, I think for good reason. I yeah. think there's, um, there, there's a need for it. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, I was watching the news this morning and we know where this can go, but a twin brother shot and killed his twin brother, his other twin. I've never heard of that in my life. And you told me earlier, the people you know and spend the most time with are the ones that you love the most, right? Yeah. And who you're least likely to harm. Yeah, yeah. And I thought of that, and I said, you got to be kidding me. In Philadelphia. Yeah, that's really extreme. It, right, it, it is extreme. So, it, I, you know, so immediately I want to know, I want to know mental health background. I want to know addictions issues. There's, I want to know trauma. I want to know all those things. Um, because as I shared earlier, the, um, uh, Karen Osterman data from Hofstra, the more I know about you, the less likely to ever think of harming you. So we would assume, we would assume that these two twins knew each other very well. I, I want to know all the other factors. Sure. And, I, and what I go back to though, is it's to that extreme, like the, the help, the help, the, the need is there. Yeah. So accept the help. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, we, we move on. We move on. So what are, what are your next steps, Mike Q? What are your next steps to, to create your vision, to create your dream? Yeah, I, I think what we have to do is we have to get in touch with more of our resources. You know, I, I, the, the plan, the business plan is to let, let's spread this seed around and, and let's let it grow. But I think as we do that, we have to continue to fine tune even the questionnaire, right? Mm -hmm. How often mm -hmm. we're meeting with athletes? Are we able to meet with schools? Are we able to meet with athletic directors and, and ATCs, et cetera? Mm -hmm. But now that you've kind of, you know, lit, lit this candle, so to speak, I, let's, let's get involved there. Let's start there. So I think, I, I think it's everything. We have to take steps, but we need goals. I'll wrap it back around the goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We need to yeah. set goals. So, okay, let's, let's get a wellness center. And, you know, in a school district within the next five years or something like let's, you know, let's make goals. That's an achievable goal. I, I, without a doubt. That's an achievable goal. So first of all, bef I, I want, I want to make sure we continue, but before we do that, let's be really explicit. Where can folks find you? Yeah. So the, I am on Facebook and on Instagram. So my Facebook is Michael Anthony, uh, last name's Quintins, Q-U-I-N-T-A-N-S. And then on Instagram, it's M underscore Quintance, Q-U-I-N-T-A-N-S, D-P-T. Um, and it's uh, PTW Newtown Square is our, is our um, handle on Instagram mm -hmm. as well. So you can mm -hmm. find me there too. 
Um, email address is Michael period Quintins at ivyrehab.com. And um, yeah, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. And uh, I, I want to help in any way I can. Thank you. What's your message? So our audience, the predominant number of folks listening to this podcast are educators. What's your message to educators? How can you help their students slash athletes? My brother's a, a high school teacher um, at, uh, at Sun Valley High School, which is in Delaware County. And, and I think what I take from him the most is the, what's, what he has on his plate and, and what's on you know, an educator's plate. So to take a step back, right? You're spending that many hours with one, you know, one person you know, or with all these students. To take a step back in big picture and then use, try and use your resources. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable and put in a call to the physical therapist or to the physician or to the parent. You're, you're not going to get a call back sometimes. It's just reality, right? Mm-hmm. And that happens to me too. Mm-hmm. I've called parents, don't hear back. The kid keeps coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I think, I think to, to use your resources and to take a step back at times and take a big picture of, of everything that's going on in their life, especially the athletics and the stresses that they're dealing with and not only the academics and the goals of the academics, but what school they're trying to get into and what their parents think and what their parents have accomplished, what their siblings have accomplished. All of these stresses are influencing their performance on the field Mm -hmm. and in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So one of my takeaways from our work here today, if I have a child involved in athletics or not, if my child has an injury if, they, if I contact you, they're going to get a whole child perspective and a very respectful, integrous relationship with their physical therapist. Yeah. If I have a child who is an athlete and is looking to achieve the best of their ability in whatever sport it may be, and the best of their ability, not only physically, but socially, emotionally, and mentally, your facility could help them with that. Absolutely. Wonderful. Wonderful. So is there anything else from either one of you before we, we kind of bring a, I have some ideas I want to close with any, any thoughts on from either one of you? So here's what I loved hearing today. And thank you both. As always, I love doing this. Some people would say, gee, Mike Mandel educator. They'd even say Mike Mandel, special educator, different than education, different than everybody else. Some people would say Dr. Michael Quintins, physical therapist. These worlds don't mix. <laughs> These are separate worlds. What are they doing in the same room together? But what I know is that good men, good human beings, men and women, always belong in the same room together. When we share our common passions, we share our interests, we share that we love children, and we are here to care for children and families. We are much more similar than we are different. And that conversation around transparency and integrity and authenticity and vulnerability must continue in every setting. It must continue in our physical therapy rooms, in our performance settings. It must continue in our classrooms, regular ed and special ed. And it must continue with the man and woman in the mirror. 
Thank you so much, fellas. I really appreciate this. Thank you. All right. So, wow, that was cool. I like that. So if you are listening to us today, then you've probably already seen some of our other episodes. But just in case you haven't, make sure you subscribe to SEL Convergence. You can get it anywhere. And you've probably already found it if you're listening to this. So go ahead and take a look at some of the other episodes we've had. Thank you both for coming on Mm -hmm. today. Thank you, Mike. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks.